You missed my my funny funny joke. What was it? What was it? N- Nadia, say say Earth Week. Oh, it's Earth Week. Earth Week, more like Earth Strong. Hey. back uh episode three talking about national parks for national parks week this is our fourth attempt at recording this <laughs> wait is it, is it national parks week or national park week what's the diff- national park week like there's only celebrating one park <laughs> yeah and it's mine no i think we're celebrating is it oh it's national park week you're right damn mm-hmm. in which park it's yosemite oh, you're embarrassing is it is only yosemite there's only one national park in that's yosemite yeah thank you who cares about the other 61? Wait, are we really only celebrating Yosemite? Because I need to know. No, no. it's it's National Park Week, but we're celebrating all of them. <laughs> okay, yeah. cool. I don't understand now. Whatever. Who cares? Um, Wait, I, I'm, can I bring up the fact that there's been 419 units in the NPS for like a year and a half. And I'm really, I'm like, I feel like everyone's just on the edge of their seat to see what's going to be number 420. Like they've been wait, making us wait for so long. <laughs> It's just Humboldt County. <laughs> Humboldt County. Oh, it's going to be such a great celebration. They should have, they only have a few days left to announce it. So it's got to be, it's got to be announced on 420. It's past oh, 420. Yeah. The no, date, but, is, uh, the but month. like the month is still 420. Month of yet. April 4th, April 4th month. Oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah. If they don't do that this month and announce it, it's going to be such a missed opportunity. Yeah. I can't wait read to see the High Times opinion piece about it. I don't really think anybody in Washington has anything else they should be focusing on right now. What's the newest national park? Is it White Sands in New Mexico? Yeah. Well, that just got, it was a national monument and it got promoted to park. Yeah. I still haven't been yet. Have you been? No. How far do you live from it? Uh, I think it's about four hours. Oh. Yeah. We were going to go right before all this shit happened, but you know. Now you're stuck inside. Um, not really. There's plenty of good outdoor stuff around here. <laughs> now you're stuck inside. You're oh. stuck inside having your civil liberties stolen from your hands. Dang. It sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been eating so many Trader Joe's maple cookies instead of having freedom. <laughs> <laughs> but you're free, to however, you're free to eat however many you want. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to lie. I would gladly trade or give away my freedoms for Trader Joe's maple cookies. They're so good. That's a good trade. They're so good. Remember that time when we had vegan s'mores on them oh, instead of graham so crackers? Yeah. Uh, good mix. Back when we were free. Back when we had our freedoms. <laughs> Donald Trump, Papa Donnie, is giving us back our freedoms, is opening up the national parks again. Um, it's great. Like most of his announcements, of course, it was just completely vague with no actual thought going into it. It was really exciting. Uh, there's no plan, no timeline, no thing, no coordination with anything. It was literally just an announcement. And yeah. um, like, I, it doesn't seem like there's anything like other than Bernhard agreeing with them and wanting to open up the parks again. It feels like, as is the case with many things Trump says, like no one knew he was going to say that. And then all of a sudden people were like, oh, wait, what? Oh, okay. Like, 
even Bernhardt, like the next day was like, yeah, yeah. What he said, we're, we're, we're going to do that. It's like his whole staff is like, wait, what? Real genius hour is the mark of a winner. Like you can't lose if you don't have any specifics or timelines or anything. Like, yeah, the national parks <laughs> yeah, will reopen at some point and he will. Yeah. And he'll be right. He'll be like, see, I told you folks, the national like, parks I did it. told you they were going to open it. and now they're open. <laughs> I opened the parks but but it's it's weird to me like why is this the first thing like the, or at least one of the earlier things like there's there's been some timeline announcements from other stuff and like things like this but this is like a big thing that they're like kind of focusing on which is like I, I don't understand why this specifically like if it's a continuation of like what we were talking about last time is anyone like marching on the streets of their state capital holding up signs that's like open up our national parks I, I wonder so. honestly I wonder if they focus group this and it's like a thing that they can announce and if they do open some of them it's not like a bunch of people are going to go because they're not going to fly to like yellowstone and shit (laughs) but it's like oh they can look like they're doing something like oh we're opening it back up but which it seemed like an innocuous enough like thing to start up with and that would probably get a lot of public support and things like that yeah because if they just announce like restaurants are open it's going to be a shit show but they can maybe do national parks but then they know that it like people aren't going to actually be able to go hopefully i i that's very generous of people i can totally see like the second they open just people flooding them maybe it's hard to say because like domestic travel is still like open on airlines but there's not that many people flying so maybe i don't know but gas is dirt cheap that's true gas is cheap it's gonna depend on the states whether or not you can allow to like leave the state for non-essential travel or things like that like i don't know there's some other states i think like that are definitely going to get to swamp with people yeah jordan how quickly are you gonna go to white sands once it's open again um i'll probably wait a little bit i I think maybe now it's getting too hot there white sands is like a winter and Mm. fall kind of national park you can sled there Mm -hmm. on the dunes i've seen it i'm trying to do that yeah i'm down in the winter I've only visited like 30 national parks, not even half. Dang, that's a lot more than me. I grew up so far from any national parks though. Me too, I grew up in Connecticut. (laughs) But aren't there some up there? There's one in Maine and then there's like one in Virginia and one in Arkansas and one in North Carolina. Okay. So kind of, and one in Ohio. It's crazy when you look at a map of the US and there's like... um... Like, west of the Continental Divide, there's so much public land. It's, like, half of the yeah. land. And then just east is just nothing. Like, everything's privately owned. Yeah. Yep. It sucks really bad. There's, like, no public land until you get into, like, deep New England. Like, northern Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine. Like, there's Forest yeah. Service land up there. But, like, there is no BLM. There is no, like... We call this Bernie land. country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of the, like, east coast national parks and things are like were like donated a lot too right like um, yeah acadia is basically just like the rockefeller estate <laughs> yeah yeah and isn't the the appalachian trail just like literally like a strip it's like a eighth mile wide mm-hmm. strip of public land that runs up the thing yeah and that's it's sort of been i mean this happens here like earlier this year like the bcta announced that they bought a bunch of like private land and it's, it's, a, it's always an ongoing thing like, i don't yeah. know how well the at is in terms of like having all of it be public lands or like all the at running through public lands but i know like there's a lot of portions of the pct that still run through private lands yeah i think mm-hmm. the azt's or the at is doing really well on that i think they're like pretty secure mm-hmm. for a long time into the future the azt is like a ton of private land you're on like yeah, ranches for huge chunks of it. Shout out the CDT too, right? Like, there's a bunch of sections where you're just like, 
having to go around either detouring around private lands or things like that. Yeah. A lot of cattle ranching operations. Yeah, that's how the AZT was. And they're really big on you, like closing the cattle gates and shit because the ranchers yeah. can just revoke mm -hmm. that access anytime they want. Like if hikers are fucking yeah. up the land. And by fucking up the land, I mean letting animals escape. <laughs> <laughs> letting their not native uh, animals that are destroying the planet escape all over and trample mm -hmm. everything. But that kind of ties into this other thing I want to talk about. The um, This is an article that uh, Nadia sent us about the, which is related to what we talked about last week about the privatization of the National Park Service and things like that. And I think the last time we talked about it, we were just like vehemently opposed to it, right? And the idea of like Disneyfying national parks and things like that. But so, so the one thing that I think Republicans do very well is that they do take advantage of crises a lot. Like they do a really good yeah. job of like anytime anything is bad or anything like that, anytime there's like a, like a natural disaster or now this pandemic things, like they do such a good job of just completely co-opting it to just push some kind of weird agenda through. Agenda do. With like when the pandemic started, the EPA rolled back a fuck ton of regulations mm -hmm. uh, in terms of like environmental protection, using the justification of like the pandemic to roll back and just let the private industry just completely destroy the planet. And it seems like now it's sort of an, a, another attempt this time of trying to use this to again privatize national parks or at least privatize, start privatizing certain aspects of them. I mean, yeah, I mean, we got to be honest with ourselves, they're, they're highly privatized and many ways already at least a lot of the ones that i know of like concessioners have been active in a lot of these parks like since they opened because they needed support from railroads to even like privilege of setting aside that land and the railroads worked with legislators to get land set aside as a national park because you know people wanted to visit parks and that would garner like support Republic lands, but also get money for the railroads and stuff like that. And then the railroads would then run the hotels and they'd run the gift shops and stuff. So a lot of parks have already a long history of not exactly being like privatized, I would say, but of having commercial operations running within them. Um, but like when, when we say things like we're going to privatize the parks, I feel like it paints a picture of, you know, like it becoming owned by a corporation, the whole land and everything that's inside of it. But in reality, I think the article talks about that, that that would really look like, at least in the immediate future, like just um, corporations and other concessioners taking over more operations than they already have. So like campgrounds, you know, they already run the lodges, but the park service still runs the campground and they collect all that money for the park. So I think it would just be small sets like that, at least at the beginning. Yeah, like just certain, like essential certain services, like uh, like the campgrounds and things like that, concessions and expanding into like cleaning services, right, and things like that. And it seems like the argument is that they could do it more efficiently, um, like the the private industry could come in and because right now the national parks are operating about like a twelve billion dollar deficit, mm -hmm. things like that. So there's not like not a huge like generating revenue, and private companies could come in and do all these things uh, much more efficiently and more profitably. Uh, which is the problem with that, I think, is that if you, ha you can have a private company come in and, and you can, I can, yeah, you can definitely have a private company come in and handle like the cleaning of these parks or like the maintenance and things like that at more profitable rate, but that would require them to like pay their workers less or like just do exactly. shady business practices in order to like, to provide those, to make that, they would have to make that up somewhere. They can't just magically be more profitable. When we dole out contracts for big projects, like we 
I mean, people, contractors have to bid on it and it goes to the lowest bidder. Unless that bidder has a notoriously shitty reputation, we will use the lowest bidder. But often that means like we're getting like shitty work. Like if we have an outside contractor do road construction, like we might find out later that like they cut all these corners. But, you know, like that's what happens when you only choose the lowest bidder if you're only looking to save money. And I think that's an argument for not like letting this shit privatize because my big fear is stuff like um i know it might sound like a big leap but stuff like what gets promised in appalachia with these mountaintop mine removal shit where it's always like oh this is going to be beneficial to your community and we're going to come in and integrate and we're going to be part of this thing and it's going to be great for the national parks but what ends up happening is like as soon as something goes wrong or like as they get less interested in it things get cut and it just gets shittier and shittier and then these private entities can always just pull out and then the park is left with the mess on their hand. So mm-hmm. it, they end up using the U.S. government like an insurance policy. So if it does turn out to be profitable, they make all the, the profit. If it turns out to be a loser of a business idea, they just pull out and they don't lose any money. And then the park's left with an even bigger deficit on their hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'd be really curious to see where the park's deficits come from. Because my understanding is a lot of it would be from... Uh, backcountry cleanup and like fire maintenance and things like that i don't think that they're the campgrounds are contributing to their deficit so it's a little bit of a false narrative to be like oh they're operating in a 12 billion dollar deficit so we're going to give this piece of their business away and it's one of the pieces of business that's probably not even contributing to the deficit yeah yeah that that's super interesting because i don't know what the breakdown of that is of like where nadia do you know like sort of like the the financial makeup of like the park system of like how they like where money comes from, where it goes to and things like that. I mean, it comes from a lot of sources. Like we get our federal appropriations. I can't say we, the parks get their federal appropriations and then we get franchise free fee money. It's called Floria money. Um, so all the concessionaires that operate in the parks have to give a certain amount of money to back to the park to fund projects. And it's mo- like a Tony Soprano business model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then most parks also have a nonprofit partner that runs like the gift shop and um does fundraising since the federal government isn't allowed to fundraise so we have to like if you want to donate to the yosemite you have to donate to the yosemite conservancy and the yosemite conservancy can fund like museum exhibits and like trail maintenance and like cool wildlife projects and stuff like that um right. but most of it does come from like base funding which congress um decides on every year but yeah i think the majority of like the deferred maintenance, it's the deferred maintenance backlog is like what it's known as. And I mean, it ranges from a lot of stuff. Some campgrounds are kind of in disrepair, but most of the ones that are still operating are new unless they're historic sites, which there are a few of. Um, but yeah, it is things like, you know, building new houses and then working on, you know, historic structures, building trails, like basically everything that's done in the park, like they have to factor in um, all that work time for all the projects that they want to get done that kind of need to be done. The deficit is like a direct result of the funding that Congress gives them though. So it's also kind of like they can make that deficit as much as they, as much or as little as they want it to be. Yeah. I mean, Congress gives us less and less money every year. (laughs) Right. So like, no wonder it's like operating at more and more of a deficit every year because the costs don't go down. Right. But then it's like the self-perpetuating cycle that you pointed out last time of like, you can be like, Oh, look what a money losing market this thing is. Which is, but I mean, it's, it's interesting though, because a lot of the most popular parks, like two, two or three years ago, proposed raising their entrance fees to $80 from $35. And like, I was one of the many people who was like, no, like, fuck that. Like, you can't just make these places only for the rich. And like, 
this is the whole point of like why we have national parks is because outdoor recreation used to only be available to wealthy people and all this stuff but now i'm like shit dude <laughs> that money would have made a huge difference because the parks get to keep like all that money yeah that was an interesting thing when that was going on i had like really mixed feelings about it because i know yosemite was one of the parks that talked about raising yeah. the fees and that's obviously one of the most overused parks in the national park system yeah and it's like well they could really benefit from less people being there but it'd be nice if it was a good mix of people yeah and a lot of people pointed out that like eat 80 dollars is still like way less than it costs to like take your family to like disney world and that's the majority of people who are visiting the parks is like well-off family units so (laughs) yeah it's 80 dollars for the carload for five days right yeah or seven days yeah so that's it is a pretty incredible rate. Like you can't find a better pass than that in like an entertainment yeah. for a family situation. Yeah. But that's like a comparison to like an amusement park pass or things like that. Like if you're talking about like an outdoor space and things like that, like it, it should, I still think that's too high. Like I would still be super opposed to raising it. Like I understand the arguments for like raising that up and kind of getting, trying to make up some of that money and things like that. But like, I think the whole point is that it's, should be kept as accessible as possible. Like in a dream world, it wouldn't charge anything to go to these places because mm-hmm. but they'd be well-funded enough and from the government and things like that, that we wouldn't have to worry about these kinds of things. But they ain't. I mean, it's the same thing with like toll, like you pay a toll to cross like the George Washington Bridge and that toll supposedly funds like New York Department of Transportation roads. Like it's the same idea. It's like we all pay a little bit into the system that funds parks, but like yeah. if you're an active user, you pay more into it. I mean, the way around that would be them to raise taxes and put more funding into it. That way people do pay proportionally to their income, ideally anyway. Yeah. I mean, the average person pays something like five cents or something to the park service and their taxes right. is like ridiculously low. Damn, there's people that actually that think that's still too much. But, they're, but they'll pay like as much as they want to the army. But yeah, like I think the idea of having... Adding the word profitable to a national park or a nationalized service like that is like so infuriating. And the idea that having this public outdoor space like as a money making operation and then if it doesn't make money, then they're like, oh, we need to address it. Like it's such a huge problem with capitalism and things like that. Like this should just be a service, an option for people, for all American people, for anyone who you know, contributes in any way or just lives in this country to have access to it without needing to, without the worry of profitability coming in. Yeah. I don't think, um, I haven't read the whole thing recently, but the, um, the act that brought the national parks into existence doesn't mention anything about profitability. It says that it wants to make these outdoor spaces accessible to citizens and protect them, but it doesn't say that they need to be business centers or like profitable or anything like that. That's because they had enough money from Congress at the start (laughs) to fund what little people they actually had working. Right, because there was very few people and there was very few national parks. And like very few infrastructure in those parks, aka like none. Which would be nice, in my opinion, to have less infrastructure in the parks. But Yeah, but I mean the park, like a lot of arguments with park service always come down to like, the two aspects of park service mission which are preservation and access it's like you can't really get people to be on board with preserving these places if like they can't go in if like you make it so that like yosemite is only accessible to people who are willing to hike to like 30 miles in the backcountry like a lot of people would still enjoy it but a lot of people wouldn't be able to visit it and then like wouldn't even give a shit but that's not what i'm saying i'm not like full edward abbey mode 
It's <laughs> not yet. Like it would be nice though if like you had to park your car outside of the park and then a shuttle took you in. Yeah, I mean Zion does that in the in the peak season. That gets into like issues of like accessibility though. It's like I mean like how like does that limit access for like disabled people to get into the parks or things like that? Like how do we make this? City bus systems figured that out a long time ago. You can wheelchair onto a bus. In Zion, you can still drive your car up if you're disabled. But if you're not disabled, you have to take the shuttle. Well, yeah, there you go. Yeah, so it's just like figuring stuff like that out, things like that. Like, I think I, I do agree in in a way. I, I just don't like, like, I don't mind the crowds in Yosemite. Like, as much as, like, mis- as misanthropic as I am about things like this, like, I, I think that having people be able to drive up and have access to these places, like, encourage them more to visit businesses like that. Like, and then there are still places that are a little bit more remote or more difficult to access and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I, like having them park outside the park i mean that would just kind of rather than have them congregated in one centralized area and then having like maybe building more parking lots would require the tearing down of other spaces in order to actually you know have Mm -hmm. that in place yeah i just get so sad when i see like the valley and it's like there's tons of light pollution at night and stuff because of car headlights and i don't know yeah it can really be a bummer but the plus side of it is is that like the backcountry is like empty like everybody mm-hmm. is in one spot they're like all in the valley yeah. and then you go you know you hike just a few miles outside of that especially like some of the off-trail stuff we've been doing it's like we didn't see anybody and we were in the park mm-hmm. the whole time yeah and i think but I think this is also like a point that i think nadia brought up last time is that not everyone enjoys the outdoors like in the way that we do and things like that like people want to drive up to a waterfall and like look at it and things like that and i mean like as as much as I don't want to do that, I would never say like no one is no one is not allowed to do. Oh, that. and I agree, and that's kind of why I think like a shuttle could like take groups of people around to yeah. see that stuff. Like, but the the act does say like access to the outdoors. It doesn't say access to a gift shop or a lodge yeah. Yeah. or a restaurant. It says access to the outdoors and the natural features. I mean, yeah, that's a different thing. Like having like I don't know I. In some ways, I do like having a grocery store in Yosemite. Is like I understand needing a space <laughs> yeah. there, especially so that people can eat. To who and like a medical clinic live there can get groceries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a clinic like essential services and stuff like that. I think I understand, but like you know, there's other stuff that I, it's sort of debating whether or not that needs to be there. Yeah, and then when to get back to like the privatization of the campgrounds, like I'd be really curious to know what that means. Like, are they going to put? Are they going to have like movie night and? they project a movie on El Cap from like a campground that's really below it. <laughs> or like where like where does that get, go? Like is there gonna be dip and dot stands at the at Ptolemy Meadows and the campgrounds and stuff? Like what does privatization mean? Or is it literally just taking the fees and cleaning the campsites? Because if it's just that it doesn't seem like a huge win for the parks either way. They're gonna give away a piece of their money that they're making and get rid of some of probably the easiest jobs to do. Like, no offense to the people mm-hmm. that do those jobs, but, like, being a campground host is, like, pretty chill from what I understand. And they're volunteer, yeah. usually. <laughs> yeah. They're just, like, retired old people who live in their RVs. They're usually really Right. Cool. No more! And I'm... I'm, I'm... <laughs> I'm more like willing to trust like the park service to hire employees and treat them well and you know pay them well and than I am to trust a private company to do the same thing like right 100% I think because it's going to be a fucking robot if, it's secure, if a company does it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
like an undocumented worker just working and like cleaning up and stuff like that for minimum wage less than minimum wage or things like that also like if we want to be patriotic about it like you have to be a u.s citizen to work for the government but you don't have to be a u.s citizen to work for any of the concessioners so like a lot of people who work in like the hotels and restaurants are not american (laughs) that is straight up probably what they're talking about when they say that they can make it more profitable like no joke it's like oh cool we'll just hire like a bunch of hispanic ladies and to clean the campsites Now I'm kind of actually now that you've mentioned it like that, I'm kind of wanting it to be prioritized just so my mom can work in Yosemite. <laughs> <laughs> she can work now. No, she... hospitality. Oh yeah, that's true. Damn, I'm trying to set her up with a job there. That would be yeah. sick. Nadia, put in the work. It's a lot for easier her. to get those jobs than it is to get a park service job. I applied to work for the park service and didn't didn't get hired. What job? Uh, it was at a petroglyphs just outside of Albuquerque. To do be a... Was it like an interpretive ranger? Or... Uh, just a park guide. Oh, okay. GS4 usually? I don't know. I don't remember. I remember having to like look all that shit up and stuff too. Yeah. Just the, the whitest dude just giving like tours on... About petroglyphs? Artifacts and ruins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, why'd you pick that site or did you apply to a few? I just picked that site because I live like 15 minutes oh. from it. Same. I figured it'd be a good spot to get my foot in the door. I really want to be a wilderness firefighter yeah. though. Oh, no. Oh, you should do that. That'd be so tight. It'd be so hot yeah it's hard to get your in in the park service usually people work for other agencies and then move over to the park service once they have experience in fire yeah i'm gonna become a freelance firefighter and then get hired on a contractor no i'm just gonna show up just like a uh what do you call that what's batman vigilante be a vigilante firefighter what's batman this is how jordan envisions himself Batman. what's batman again a fascist <laughs> a rich white man yeah a rich yeah just do that you'd be a rich white man with a lot of shiny toys going out and uh, taking taking uh, jobs from people firefighting into your own hands <laughs> rather than addressing the root causes of all these problems just take it take the law into your own hands yeah yeah but i want to talk a little bit about um batman i really like this i um so kind of talking about some of the national park stuff and some of the accessibility issues and things like that and i think one thing that's super really interesting is the how little people of color visit national parks like i don't know if you saw some of the the these posts and things like that these articles but like it's so insane like how low the rates are visitations for like poc black and hispanic and asian things like Mm -hmm. that like it was like two to seven percent of visitors to national parks are like black uh, overall minorities are like less than 22% and things like that. And how kind of disconcerting that is a little bit. I'm talking about like accessibility issues and like, why are these places kind of seen as like these, these white sites basically, or like, why, what is it about these places that draws in more white people than it draws people of color or things yeah. like that? I'd like to see these numbers adjusted for income. Because just out of just out of curiosity, like not to say that they're wrong or misleading or anything, there's obviously a problem yeah. where we're, when you go backpacking, you see almost entirely white people to the point where yeah. it's like, oh, I saw a black guy today. Like if you actually do. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that's like there's it's not official, but like the PCTA, like halfway anywhere survey says that it's like like over 90 percent white, like or at least the people who filled out that survey. Yeah. And anecdotally, like when I when I was hiking the PCT and going southbound, I like kept track of how many people of color I saw backpacking, and it was I counted like five people in all of Washington. Like not to say that I may, I may miss some or anything like that, but yeah. like just the hikers I saw on trail were like 
by far white. Yeah, I think the disproportionality of race, like, in the outdoor community is prevalent, not even just in parks or backpacking, but in a lot of industries. But I think, like, it's difficult to force people who don't, you know, like, want necessarily to go backpacking or don't have that, like, in their family structure or, like, as part of their kind of, like, thing yeah. already. But it is easy to, like, take somebody to a national park. Like, you can't force somebody to learn how to, like, rock climb, but you can be like, hey, we're going on a class trip to, yeah. like, Zion, and now we're going to, like, learn about public lands. So, like... I feel like parks are kind of an, an easy place to start with like trying to rectify that. Yeah, but but if they are easy, then why isn't it higher? Like why aren't these rates higher? Why aren't they like proportionate to the demographics and things like that? Like why why is it still so low? Yeah, I'm super still curious yeah. about like the role that class plays into this because yeah, like my uh my aunt's a public school teacher in Indiana where I grew up and she took her kids on a field trip to the other side of town within our like small town that you can you could walk across the whole town in probably two hours or less. Um, and there were kids in our class that had never been more than like a six block radius from their house. And that's all races. And there's, I know I was watching an interview with um, Chief Keefe and some of his crew in Chicago and like a bunch <laughs> of them had never been to downtown Chicago until they made money. Like yeah. they had only been in the neighborhood that they grew up in. And like, that was a thing in Chicago. I saw all the time. Like I'd talk to neighborhood people in the neighborhood I lived in. And some of them had never been outside of Chicago or had never been outside of the West side of Chicago or like wherever area they're in. Yeah. And I, th I, I think you're right. I think that definitely plays a big role of like class mobility and having financial access to some of these places, I think definitely plays a role. And like, and I think traditionally black and Hispanic people tend to be lower income or things like that, or just a disproportionately yeah. lower income. And yeah, so that that's probably a definitely thing. Like I, I think it's when you see like the tourist groups and all these different national parks and things like that, like those are people who have enough wealth to be able to take time off to go visit these places, to pay the entrance fees, um, even if they're not as high as they could or should be or whatever, but they're still like, there's that's still a barrier like the 35 dollars for entrance into a park is still like it might not seem like a lot for a lot of us and things like yeah. that but it's still like money. and 35 dollars might be a good deal if you can go there for the full seven days and take advantage of that yeah. but like a lot of people can't take seven days off work in a row and like go yeah. stay for that amount of time i was gonna say the wealth disparity has been an issue like since the park's first opened like to visit a park before it had roads and before it had hotels and stuff like you had to be a person who's wealthy enough to like hire a horseback and get on your stage to carry all your shit and like go into the back country of Yellowstone to like see Old Faithful and whatever and then even even once like our man FDR came about and like built all these roads into the national parks like using the CCC you still had to be somebody who like owned a car and could take you know multiple weeks off work to take for your family vacation right so it's, it's going to take a really long time to get that out of the system. Well, it's yeah. not even out of like the main big system that is America today. Like the country, like it used to be more clear that like when the founding fathers talked about citizens, they meant a very specific thing, which was like rich white men. But we're still that like when they, when they talk about like freedom and upward mobility and entrepreneurship and stuff like that in the United States, they're talking about for the upper class. But, but so the first thing to me is that, especially like with public lands and public parks and things like that, is that these should be at least the, the, the avenues that are able to kind of overcome that the easiest. Like just because if, if they do, we do make them public, we do make them accessible and things like that, they, they should be like the first line of, of things that make significant changes. And 
but they're not they're like still they're very slow to like make a lot of these really dramatic changes that need to be made mm-hmm. and i think that does tie into a lot of it's it's very racist origins like the national parks like the connection between um i don't know like not do you know about this guy um madison grant no uh, oh my god so i started like delving into this and reading up a bit madison grant it was a like turn of, turn of the 20th century conservationist and he was kind of like at some point like one of the conservation arms referred to him as like the greatest conservationist in america or things like that and he was like friends with like Teddy Roosevelt, he was kind of a contemporary of John Muir and things like that. He helped create Glacier National Park in Yellowstone. But uh, Homeboy was also just a crazy eugenicist and just (laughs) believed in the superiority of the white race. Literally wrote a book about uh, like the supremacy of the white race and keeping like racial hygiene and not intermixing races, promoting like bullshit or theory kind of stuff. But like this guy who was like seen as this big, figure in the creation of the national park system just had like these really ridiculous views on like white supremacy and things like that and mm-hmm. a lot of that kind of carried over into some of these national parks um like the uh that where these parks should all like white spaces like they're like white people are the ones who are entitled to visit these places or at least like wealthy white people as well mm-hmm. the whole thing's so crazy with like the natives that lived in a lot of these parks already had it set up basically like a national park, like it was public land. And then white people came in and they're like, no, we're showing you the concept of privatized land. And then later came back and they were like, we just had this super dope idea where we (laughs) (laughs) make this land available to everybody publicly. I bet the native people were just like, what the fuck are these people talking about? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, but then they were like, "This is available to everybody, but you guys have to leave." But, but we will name a couple of these places after you, or we will kind of at least give you an interactive display. Should we talk about how uh, Shenandoah was straight up segregated? Like, there was a yeah. separate park next to Shenandoah that you had to go to if you were POC. Dang. Then yeah, like that's so ridiculous. Like, and this was in like, uh, like a, this was in like in 1950. It was yeah. like this is it's been still around. Like this is when I was when I there's an outside article about that that goes into like sort of the history of like um, Shenandoah being segregated and things like that. And like the the wild thing to me of that. So like Shenandoah was um, segregated, and they because black people were finally starting to get outdoors sort of around that time, or at least I mean obviously they've been for the long time before that, but. I think as the national parks and system were, were as as sort of Jim Crow era, era time was going along, people were black people were becoming more mobile, and they were venturing out into the outdoor spaces and things like that. Like they were going into some of these national parks, like in the South and East Coast, and they just were so worried about uh, white people were so worried about these places being overrun by by black people and people of color that they just straight up created separate national parks that inside the national parks that corralled them into. Mm-hmm. but i think that is like culturally could account for like a lot with how a lot of black people don't feel comfortable in outdoor spaces especially like in more rural communities where like yeah like there might be you know a family that feels super comfortable in their neighborhood in oakland that they've lived in for generations and then yosemite is like you know not very far away but you drive through a lot of rural white communities to get there and just the concept of being out in the woods alone 
where anything can happen might not feel super safe and rightfully so yeah yeah especially like some southern states or east coast states places like that that have like a long history of like lynching and things right. like that where did like where did that shit happen that shit happened in the woods yeah it's not like a magical pristine place like maybe the way that we think about it it's like a place that's like has a lot of uh, historical trauma and shit like yeah that. even like that that trail i did in indiana that had like a 40 mile road walk through this like super rural area i didn't feel comfortable and i'm from there and i'm white but like my yeah. hair was long at the time and stuff and i'm like dang are they just gonna like is there just gonna be a bunch of like rednecks with baseball bats and a pickup truck calling me a faggot and like beating me with a <laughs> bat like because i have long hair and a short shorts on because that shit yeah. happened to like me and my friends in high school in like my small town where we'd just be like walking down the street and people were like yelling slurs at us and shit so like yeah. it's legit to like not want to leave the urban area where you know what's going on to like go to a national park. Yeah, and then so there's a that other article I mentioned before, and uh, there was a that talked about like sort of the, the lack of like black inclusion, Hispanic inclusion, and that was one of the things that that was associated with it. Is like there's there's a historical element of it, like national parks literally founded by like white supremacists, things like that, like or at least some of them, or at least having central figures who created this whole system were like that, and they just kind of carry that over into like preserving these places for white people. And then there's just like harassment in these places, like segregation, like pe people going, black people going into Shenandoah and then either straight up being told to leave or being made to go to separate parts of the park. Or like there was one other thing I saw that in the outside article that talked about is that they mentioned that in some cases, the rangers, when they were helping black people, they would point them, like they would specifically direct them to those separate areas or they would just not mark on the map and not give them any help whatsoever. So just like passive aggressive shit like that to keep them out or to make the experience as sort of uncomfortable as possible. I mean, you still see that shit in different form today. Like how all these like all these like redneck Americans always complain about like foreigners in our national parks and how they should be only for U.S. citizens and like we shouldn't be letting in like these Asian tourists and like all this stuff. Like anytime that that Zion at least like posts about park being too crowded or like that angels landing is too crowded like you'll get a lot of these like utah like good old boys who like grew up there who remember like will be like i remember going angels landing in the 50s and there was nobody there and then like a bunch of other people take it like way further and are like why are we letting all these foreigners in our land like we should be charging them more money or like not letting them in it's like it's a different rhetoric now but it, that that's not gone <laughs> Yeah, and then especially when you tie that back to like what you said earlier, where the average American pays like five cents a year in their taxes to it. I looked it up. It's more like five dollars. Five dollars. Sorry. Anyway, five dollars. Like it's so like, <laughs> okay, so if you're not a citizen, should you pay five dollars more? Is that what is their hang up about it? Right. Or are they actually just yeah. mad that there's brown people in their parks? <laughs> yeah, like that's just an excuse Probably to that. Yeah. hit on brown people. Because like in theory, like when state parks charge you more for um if you have like an out-of-state license and things like that like some museums do that and stuff too i don't have like a huge beef with that no. but i think that there's a way for that to turn into like racism and gatekeeping really yeah easily. like a hundred percent like just having to pay like oh you want to visit this public outdoor space you have to pay a foreigner tax right. yeah because they're not talking about like the white german people who are coming in like we know who they're talking yeah. about and it's not like canadians and like right white people right because otherwise they wouldn't even know like if it was a group of canadians yeah. they don't know but those are the same people that just want to like wish they could hunt in national parks and stuff and then they do it during the shutdown yeah they want to drive their four-wheel drives on uh, over some joshua trees 
Like, not even near them. They just want to crush them. <laughs> does it just drive straight over Joshua yeah. Tree? Uh-huh. Yeah. But then complain about there being too many Asian tourists and they're and taking pictures. Yeah. Right, yeah. Those are the people who are really destroying our land. It's not your buddy on the 4x4. It's, yeah, it's, the, it's the 50 Chinese people packed into a tour bus that get off and look at Yosemite Falls for 15 seconds while they chain smoke two <laughs> cigarettes and then get b- right back onto the bus. <laughs> yeah. They're the real menaces. They're little bucket hats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those people are rule. They're like part of the experience to me now. Like every time I go to Yosemite, it's like, like oh, there's the tour buses. There's El Cap. There's... <laughs> I think if you're like a person from another country, like visiting, like that's that's one of the few good things about this country. This this garbage fire of a country is like the, is the outdoor spaces. Like, mm-hmm. like there is no other reason to visit this country if you don't if you're not. Yeah, dude. The times that I've traveled abroad, like, and I like talk to people. That's like the main thing I'm proud of. I'm like showing them pictures on my phone of like Yosemite and Kings Canyon and shit. I'm just like check this shit out. Like, no, no, no. Like, I know the president sucks, but, like, you can go uh, to these places and, like, <laughs> check yeah, this out. The, look at this cool dome. Yeah. Like, look at these cool trees. Yeah. yeah. You can't see that anywhere yeah. else. Yeah, that's the only thing that is that is worthwhile visiting. In this and we're country. super lucky because we are, like, I know our country is, like, by Europe standards, like, it's, a, it's essentially, like, a collection of 50 small countries. But it's still pretty amazing that within one place there's, like, arches and the grand canyon and um yosemite valley yeah. and the whites mm-hmm. and the everglades like and it's all just like one place it's so like geographically diverse and things like that like and just how many how within a couple hours like here in california you can go from death valley you know like salt flats to being in sierra forest and fourteen thousand peaks it's almost like you did that peaks. yeah what <laughs> Wait, you can walk from the lowest point in the U.S. to you the can... highest point in the U.S. We should make Damn, a I didn't know that. that. Yeah. <laughs> what should they call it? Jose's the route. Lowest to <laughs> yeah. the plants routes. But it, plant like, route. yeah, even today on the little hike I did, there was a section where you could see three distinct desert ecosystems, like within eye, like visual distance from each other. Yeah, within yeah, just yeah. eyesight. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Like we don't, I don't. There's obviously there's there's nature everywhere in this planet. There's other countries that also have these things, but yeah, like that is I think this should be seen as a point of pride in this country, and it should be accessible to people, like not just Americans, not just white people, things like that. But like yeah, it is it is something that should be open. Yeah, and it is to people, not to private interests. Yeah, yeah, and I like just want to show it <laughs> off to everybody. Like anybody that comes here, I think should go see at least one national yeah. park. It does suck that some of like the best gems are like pretty far from an airport or something like it's and that goes for um like people trying to travel to the u.s on a budget too or even domestically like you know if my family flew from indiana to california it's not like super easy for them to go see yosemite to like fly into san francisco and then just what are they like it's pretty expensive to rent cars and stuff like that by a lot of people's standards oh you guys it's turned into like a big america circle jerk we do love our parks, baby. <laughs> we we like the we like the geogra- the geography and the mountains and the land and stuff like that. The country itself is is It's honestly trash. the main thing keeping me here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got a job offer in Sweden uh, like a couple years ago and I was just like, ah, but the 
is there any backpacking in Sweden? Because if Sweden's there is, tight, you should just dude. Go yeah, there's like a long trail called the King's Trail. Yeah. In Lapland, it's sweet. Lapland's not do, like, Sweden, European but yeah. Way where you just like go hut to hut. I don't want to hut. There's to a lot hut. of mosquitoes, but. <laughs> I don't want to hut to hut, but yeah, like. Can you go off trail? Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know if you'd want to. It's like foggy and shitty. Sounds lame. I mean, oh, yeah. I want to do the Hey Duke. But, like, it's so cool that you can do, like, the Hey Duke and the Sierra High Route, like we're doing this year, like, in one year, in one country. Yeah. yeah. That's the plan. Yeah, we're opening you on this list now. Okay. <laughs> um, it's also, all right, last thing I want to talk about, um, it's Earth Week. Earth Day, yeah. Earth Week. It is Earth Earth Day. Um, it's not Earth the, Day. Um, 50th. It's not Earth Day today. Shirley, thank you for ruining. No one will know, would know otherwise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hear you say that it's not earth day um, we will not lie to our listeners that all six of them are <laughs> it's, the, we're not saying it's the it's the day after earth day which is like the it's, we're doing the after party earth day after party the party never stops what did you guys after do to celebrate earth day is the after party yeah how did you celebrate earth day what'd you do i just asked I you lived in earth Oh. <laughs> no one asked me but that's all of you <laughs> i worked i gave uh i did some uh some uh, some presentations then i work as a preachy vegan i did a little yeah. environmental presentation for a online presentation of course mm-hmm. staying home working from home gave a little college presentation talked about the environmental impacts and agriculture Maybe like that help help spread the good word I'm trying to save trying to save my Mama Earth. Nice. I did nothing. What did you do, Jordan? Nothing. Oh. I probably uh, played with my dogs. I don't really remember what I did yesterday. I played with my dogs. I uh, I took a stroll to Yosemite Falls. Ooh. Yeah. But y'all didn't do that? No, we didn't. No, we don't live near Yosemite, <laughs> unfortunately. I probably looked at a picture. But the thing I do want to mention, and I feel like this is kind of important, is uh, to, to acknowledge the work Indigenous people do to preserve the land. Because we talk about like Earth Day has been like this 50 year celebration and we think of things like fucking Al Gore or Greta or things like that. Like people, and like, obviously the work they do. You mean the zombie child? <laughs> yeah, the zombie child. <laughs> That's been programmed. Jesus do you want to talk? Do you want to explain what that is? No. <laughs> that, that art? I found this crazy. Cons- no, please explain this art. This re- Who wrote that? David Steele? <laughs> I don't know. I found some conspiracy blog about how Greta Thunberg is actually a zombie child that's been programmed. Uh, I don't know by who. She's been programmed like MK Ultra style to um, be an environmental warrior against capitalism or something. I don't know. I couldn't follow the. <laughs> like it was clearly written by like. I don't know if he was just dumb or if he was schizophrenic or something, but it was a very hard blog to follow. <laughs> it was very difficult to read. Like, I was just reading through it. And I'm like, what the fuck? I also I found it at, like, it was, one in the just... morning, so it wasn't... <laughs> yeah. Did it make perfect sense to you at 1 a.m.? You're just like, wait. I wonder what I was looking for. How did I find that? I don't... <laughs> <laughs> it just... These things just find Yeah, you. I don't... I literally don't remember what I was looking for. Yeah. Oh, well. But anyway, yeah, talking about indigenous people uh, protecting the earth because it's it's super important. Um, Address that they uh, found some information about that. There's a few articles, maybe we can post them somewhere. Uh, but indigenous people account for like five percent of the total population of the planet, but preserve around eighty percent of all the planet's biodiversity. There's indigenous tribes all over, like here in the United States, obviously that do a lot of work into like the uh, the. Um, 
the Dakota pipeline to kind of prevent that from happening. Um, in the Amazon, there's a lot of tribes that have been trying to protest the government there to preserve the rainforest. They're literally being killed and murdered in a lot of places. Um, the, I remember reading that there was a the chief of the Yawanawa tribe was talking about how they were facing a genocide because they're trying to preserve the rainforest, prevent cattle ranching industries from expanding and things like that, and just literally being murdered and assassinated, things like that. And so, yeah, when we think of like Earth Day and we think of like people preserving the planet, things like that, like that's, they never get any acknowledgement or props and things like that. Like I'd be so pissed off to be like an indigenous person. Like I, <laughs> just to, I mean, in general, like it's fucking terrible, obviously, like just the historical shit you've been dealing with your whole life. But then to just be, constantly trying to protect the planet and trying to save uh, all these delicate ecosystems and protect all this biodiversity of the planet and then just to never hear anything about it anything or anything about the work they do so yeah. that's plants will corner thanks for that i was going to share that unrelated to unrelated to i didn't know you were going to talk about that but also i just started reading this dope book called braiding sweetgrass indigenous women indigenous wisdom scientific knowledge by robin wall kimmerer yeah. so uh it's a great read. And the audiobook is read by her and she has like a really soothing voice and I, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, the BBC had an article about that. Like that's where it got the information about the uh, like the protecting the biodiversity of the planet and things like that. And they they, they show five instances where like different um, indigenous practices are helping like preserve the land. Like in Machu Picchu, like some of the traditional farming methods and things like that are, are working to preserve some of those crops and things like that, especially like with climate change, um, kind of destroying a lot of different spaces and things like that. Uh, and just how important it is that like, it's weird. Like it's just, they have so much more experience and things like that. And we have just so much historical background in terms of like preserving nature and preserving a lot of these the bio, biodiversity of the planet and things like that. So. Oh, so we can also discuss that it's it's 50th Earth Week this week, or Earth Day, but it's also the 50th anniversary yeah. of, like, the NPS um, practicing, like, safe, like, prescribed fire, wildfire burning in Yosemite, um, which is something that Indigenous people did here for, like, thousands and thousands of years because they knew that it was better for the ecosystem, like, for all the trees that rely on um a burn cycle to have healthy forests yeah. and then for a really long time when the park service came in and forest service and all these people like just suppressed every single wildfire and then things went to shit mm-hmm. because nothing was burning and like we weren't having that natural cycle and then when a fire went up like everything was destroyed um so happy yeah. 50th anniversary of us realizing that like those people knew what the fuck was going on that whole policy like out by nine right that's the, the policy it was like if there's a small fire to put it out by 9 a.m no matter like when it started yeah. up and just like how what a clusterfuck it's been especially like here in california like mm-hmm. you just moved to california so but yeah, it's been know. real fun like having wildfire season as just be part of the Dude, i was terrified the whole like wildfire season <laughs> that sounds crazy to say but like i lived in that little cabin in santa cruz mountains and it was just like yeah, I actually kind of like the whole shelter in place order. I would just work from home for like weeks at a time because I was afraid to be more than like 20 minutes from my house. I hiked through the the campfire in California like that was heading south on the PCT when the fire was going on. They were um, it wasn't as bad going southbound as it was northbound. Like northbounders apparently just got completely smoked out in a lot of places. Literally couldn't see Shasta for weeks. Um, so I was able to I did have times where I could see it, but yeah, I could, there was just smoke all over the trail and I was hiking through it, just literally going into Anato Valleys um, that are just completely covered with smoke, like sleeping with a respirator mask on because otherwise you just wake up like coughing or wake up with like severe headaches and things like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 
So thanks for a service for. Thanks for yeah. that. land is your land and this land is my land from california to the new york island from the redwood forest to the gulf stream waters this land was made for you and me as i went a walking that ribbon of highway and i saw above me that endless skyway i saw below me that golden valley this land was made for you and me footsteps and the sparkling sands of her diamond deserts all around me a voice was a sounding this land was made for you and me there was a big high wall there that tried to stop me the sign was painted said private property but on the back side it didn't say nothing this land was made for you and me when the sun comes shining then i was strolling and the wheat fields waving and the dust cloud rolling a voice was chanting as the fog was lifting this land was made for you and me this land is your land and this land is my land from california to the new york island from redwood forest to the gulf stream waters this land was made for you and me 